0: Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the word of God. Joshua 4, 21 through 22. Joshua 4, 21 through 22. When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean... Everybody say, these stones. These stones. What stones? The stones that come out of Jordan. The stones that was a resemblance of a victory and a miraculous touch of God. What meaneth these stones? Then ye shall say, Then... Shall ye say let your children know saying Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. Continuing tonight stones of remembrance salvation. In the New Testament church we have been given a great heritage. Passed on to us by faithful men and women who left us a everybody say firm foundation we must never forget where we have come from or we will never be able to get where god wants us to go i know that there are that there is a movement going around our our country unfortunately where monuments and memories of days gone by are being destroyed so swiftly being destroyed And what we don't understand and the spirit behind it is trying to erase anything of history that we can point back to and remember. There's things in history we want to remember. And what it does, it it causes us to be godly proud to be an American. There are some monuments that reflect some of the, the lesser proud moments of our country. But it also lets us know things that we don't want to ever experience again. Hallelujah. As the church of the living God, we must look to the pioneers. We must look backwards and thank God for what He's done. But it gives us great hope for what He has for our future. This 21st century Christianity needs to know without a doubt that the things we believe are not just man's idea but our absolute foundational truth from the Word of God. How many are glad today we have the truth and we know the truth? For Ephesians 2 and 20 said, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. This church has been in this community coming up on 53 years. 53 years shortly. I thank God for the legacy that we have in this city. I thank God for the testament, Brother Paul, that God spoke to you in 1969 and sent you and Sister Ann to this city to plant a church. And it's still alive and well today. We're still declaring the same one God, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost, separated from the world message. If you're thankful for that, you ought to say amen. Tonight, I want to remind you. This is all a refresher and a reminder. And but some of you, it may be your first time to ever experience this stone of remembrance. Or maybe bring it into a full understanding. Since the rise of modern Christianity, it has become politically incorrect to preach an absolute message. An absolute message. There are now many variations on the plan of salvation as there are denominations. It creates a logical and theological nightmare. The church world has dealt with the problem by saying we're all going to the same place. So let's forget doctrine and just love Jesus. But the problem with this approach is simple. It's wrong. It's incorrect. There are not two. There are not 10, there are not 20 ways to be saved. There is only one Bible way to be saved. What matters is not my opinion. What matters is not your opinion. It doesn't matter what grandma or grandpa did, if it was in error. What does thus say the word of the Lord in regards to my salvation? Hallelujah. It's not that we are right and they are wrong. It's not that pastor is right and necessarily you're wrong. It is the Bible is right. And if it's contrary to the word of the Lord. Everybody else is wrong. Let God be true. And let every man be a lie. Well all of that in mind. Let's begin with some theological common ground that essentially. All Christian groups, they share. We believe that all human beings are sinners by birth. By nature and by deed. No matter how good we try to be. All have come short of God's standard of perfection that allows us to go to heaven. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Somebody say, that's me. No matter how good we are. No matter how good we've been in this thing called life. We were all born sinners. We believed that when human beings. Could do nothing to redeem themselves. God himself. Provided a way of salvation. By believing on Jesus Christ. We may be born again. And inherit eternal life. We must first. Believe that He is. Belief is the common ground that we all stand on tonight. Once we believe, we understand John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. However, this is where many part ways... While many modern Christian groups preach the gospel or the good news, not many groups preach the Bible way to obey the gospel. There is a difference. Just like any other commandment in Scripture, to know it enough and even to believe it is not enough. To know and believe is not enough, Brother Roy. We must obey the commandment of the Lord. We must obey the word of the Lord. The New Testament word for believe doesn't mean just to mentally acknowledge something. Well, I know what, well, you know, I believe or I know it is, it is a synonym for commit. So when I say I believe something, I commit to something. I put my hand to the plow and I commit to the course that the word of God has laid before me. As in believing something so strongly that it causes you to do something. We believe. And when we believe, we commit. That's what, that's what happened Sunday. And that's what's happened the last several weeks. The word of God goes forth. We believe it. Hunter, I believe the word of God. But when I believe something and I hear something, I believe it. I commit to something. That's why three people got baptized Sunday. Does anybody want to be baptized? I believe I should be baptized. But are you baptized just because you believe? No. You've got to commit to a course of action that takes you to the water. And you're buried in it. That's committing. That's hearing the word and being obedient to the word. Hallelujah. What? Is the gospel if somebody were to ask what is the gospel? The apostle Paul defined it specifically and let us know there are three parts to the gospel. First Corinthians fifteen one through four. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. Did y'all just catch that? I preached it unto you, you received it, and you stand, which also ye are now saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all, which I also received. I gave you the first thing that I received. I didn't give you the second thing. I didn't give you a watered down version. I didn't give it. Somebody else told me. No, I'm giving it to you from what I received. How that Christ, somebody say died, died for our sins according to the scripture. And he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. Not what man said. Not what some, no, 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 according to the scriptures, somebody was writing it down. Somebody was taking a good ledger of what what took place, and that's what was given Paul, and Paul gave it to the church at Corinth. So the gospel is just simply this, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. If you're ever asked that question, Brother Guzman, what is the gospel? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. That's it. Brother Jones, it's just that simple. That's why in the very first church service, in church history, after the very first sermon preached by one of the apostles, after the very first time someone ever asked, what shall we do? It was the first altar call in the church age. It was the first time that someone had heard the message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Peter said, obey the gospel by doing three things. Acts 2.38, then Peter said unto them, and be every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you obey the gospel on this date in 2022, obeying the gospel is repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the gospel. It's the death, burial, and resurrection. I die by repentance, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. I'm buried in baptism, but I rise out of that watery grave in newness of life. Why did Peter preach this message? Because it was the very last instruction Jesus left his disciples before he ascended. Peter obeyed the command of the Lord. Luke 24, 45 through 51. You have it. You'll see it on the screen. This is what's going to happen tonight, I believe. Then opened he their understanding. The greatest miracle that could happen in your life. Those of you that are watching by the way, That God would open up your understanding. You, you have believed. You know there's a God. You know his name is Jesus. But you've never experienced the gospel. In the death, burial, and resurrection. Then open he their understanding. That they might understand the scriptures. And said unto them. Thus it is written. And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Catch this. And repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name, not their name. It wasn't a plurality. It was his. Anybody know his name tonight? Jesus. Listen to this. Should be preached in his name among all nations. That includes the United States of America. That includes Alabama. That includes Hartzell, Alabama. That includes 1149 Main Street West. you believe that? Beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem. Until you be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them. He was parted from them. And carried into heaven. The last command. Jesus told his young disciples. Jesus said I will be crucified. I will be buried. Then I'll rise again. And because of this I want you to go out. And preach Repentance. Baptism or remission of sins in my name and the baptism of the Holy Ghost is the promise of the Father. The very last thing Jesus did on earth with his disciples was the emphasis, obey the gospel. That was the last thing he emphasized, obey the gospel. And Peter preached the same gospel that was given, it was preached in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 you want to know what the gospel is go to Acts 2 and 38 it's found there if somebody asks you if your children ask you if your grandchildren ask you what the god this is a stone of remembrance we need to memorize Acts 2 38 and know it if somebody asks of you be able to be able to quote it hallelujah hallelujah well let me get the pastor let him quote it for me well I may not be there Get it so deep down in your heart that when somebody asks you, what must I do to be saved? Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So, what is repentance? We're talking about the gospel tonight. We're talking about salvation. Repentance is not just accepting the good news. And it is not just feeling sorry for your sins. It is being sorry enough to change. It's being sorry enough to change the direction of your life. And when you repent, 2 Corinthians 7, 10 through 11, it kind of brings to life what repentance is. For godly sorrow worketh repentance. That means, you know what, when you hear a message like this, conviction sets in. When you hear a message of how much God so loved you, that he died for you, he shed his blood for you, he was buried and on the third day he rose again. There's something about that that oh so, I would not be doing what I've been doing. I'm sorry for my sin. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation that lets you know what repentance puts you in the direction towards salvation. Just because you repent doesn't mean you're saved. But godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this same selfsame thing, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort. What carefulness it wrought in you, yea. What clearing of yourselves, yea. What indignation, yea. What fear, yea. What vehement desire, yea. What zeal, yea, what revenge in all things you have approved yourself to be clear. Are y'all reading this with me? Um, In this matter, let me help somebody. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how deep the pit of sin that you have stepped off in. The Bible says in all things you have approved yourself to be clear of this matter. When I stand before the Lord, when I come to an altar and say, God, forgive me. I'm clear. of. I love the way that, that I'm clear of this matter. I've sinned. I've come short of the glory of God. I did things I know I shouldn't have done. I've said things I know I shouldn't have said in carefulness, in indignation, in fear, vehement desires, zeal. What revenge in all these things you have approved yourself. Quit beating yourself up so hard. Quit living under guilt and condemnation. Quit living under fear that God hadn't heard your prayer and fear that God hadn't forgiven. When you say, God, I'm sorry for my sins and I repent, I turn. You know the only one that can approve you? Yourself. Could that be why Jesus, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love somebody else if if you don't love. If you don't love yourself. So I want to help and encourage. In all these things ye have approved yourselves. To be clear in this matter. Repentance clears yourself from all matters. Repentance is not a feeling. It is a turning around. It is an about face. It's an inward change of attitude. Leading to an outward change of action. So when you repent there's some things you just won't ever do again. When you repent, there's some places you won't ever go again. When you repent, there's, you know, you just, there's some things you just don't want to do anymore. And I've seen people do this. When they repent, they try to do some of the old things they used to do out of habit, but right in the middle of doing it. I, why am I doing this? I don't even want to do this anymore. Why am I? And, and their course of action turns and changes. And they live a life of repentance. Matthew 3 and 8. Bring forth therefore fruits. meet for repentance. When you repent before God. You will produce the fruit. meet for repentance. Repentance is absolutely essential. For salvation. That's why. Shaking a preacher's hand. That's not gonna save you. I know that's popular. That's why I'm repeating a you know about a 29 or 30 letter, a 30 word prayer. That in and of itself is not gonna save you. Repentance is part of that salvation, repentance is part of that decision that you're gonna take necessary actions. That proves to yourself, to others, and to God. You know what? I'm not the same. I don't desire to be the same person that I used to be. Luke thirteen and three. I tell you, nay! But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So don't believe a gospel, and I put gospel in parentheses. A gospel that doesn't require repentance. It's not the gospel. The gospel requires repentance. The Bible says, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. That's a, stone of re- that's a stone of remembrance. I've got to have repentance in my life. And even after you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, there will be days every day. Lord, the sin of commission and omission. Lord, I repent today. If there's some wicked way in me, reveal it to me. So I'm pleasing unto you. Hallelujah. What is baptism? We said repentance and baptism. What is baptism? We put on Christ when we are baptized. I want to put on Christ. I don't know about you. To put on Christ, I must be baptized. Galatians 3.27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We are buried with Christ when we are baptized. Romans 6 and 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That is why it is absolutely crucial to be immersed in water, not sprinkled. We go into the water and we are buried in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. We bury you in that water in the name of Jesus, the one who was buried for us. We call on the name of the Lord. We baptize in Jesus' name. Why? Because he died for me. He died for you. Why would I want to be buried in some other name other than the one who died for me? Or why would I want to be baptized just in the title of the one who died for me? That's not his name. Father is not his name. Son is not his name. Holy Ghost is not his name. But his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. He was the Father in creation, the Son in redemption, and the Holy Ghost in regeneration. Every Christian, do your Bible research, was baptized the Bible way in Jesus' name. On the day of Pentecost, water baptism took place in Acts 2.38 in the name of Jesus. Of Jesus Christ in Acts chapter eight, the Samaritan believers they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Cornelius's household in Acts ten forty eight was baptized in the name of the Lord. Disciples of John in Acts chapter nineteen verse five they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. If those are examples in the book of Acts where they were baptized in the name, I think it's safe to say beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Bible way to be immersed in water is in the name of Jesus. I believe this. I believe this. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. This is the scripture that is talked about so many so many times in the denominal world, and, and doctrines have been made over this one scripture, but that they miss critical pieces of the puzzle when they read it. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name. Somebody say, name. In the name, it didn't say names. The name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. What is the name of the Father? What is the name of the Son? What is the name of the Holy Ghost? Uh, Matthew 28, 19 says, baptizing them in the name. The name is Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. John 5.43, I am come in my Father's name. This is Jesus talking. Matthew 1.21, Thou shalt call his name. John 14.26, the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Matthew didn't write the gospel until A.D. 62. He makes a theological statement about the oneness of God that had been confirmed by 30 years of the church baptizing every convert in the name of Jesus Christ. Think about that. Baptism is absolutely essential for salvation. Repentance is essential. Baptism is essential. For salvation, that's the gospel. We've got about 28 candidates that we're licensing over the next two days, two and a half days with the United Pentecostal Church. And as presbyter, I've had to do interviews of all of our candidates, or the candidates in our section. And when I interview them, I ask them very pointed, this pointed question. Do you still believe That the death, burial, and resurrection is the only way to get to heaven. Because if you don't believe that, you're not preaching the gospel, we declare. We can't license you to be an ambassador if you don't believe the gospel. And I say that to this great church. When asked, if somebody asks you, does this church still believe it's essential to repent and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost to make it to heaven? Yes, you do. That's the gospel. That's that's not my words. That's his words. Except a man be born again of water and spirit, he cannot see the kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, baptism is essential. John 10, 23. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But the church doesn't have the power to forgive sins. Only Jesus does. So what does this verse mean? Whoever we baptize has their sins remitted or washed away. That's what it's meaning. Who we baptize, we remit their sins or those sins are washed away. Whoever we don't baptize, and I'm not saying we have to physically baptize everybody. I'm saying whoever doesn't get baptized still has their sins. We can get in this great theological battle that we won't get into today. Well, what, what, if, they, what if they repented and what if they didn't get baptized? Did they go to heaven or hell? I'm going to leave that in the hands of the Lord. Or what about, what about grandma and grandpa? They didn't believe exactly what, what we believe. We can't, we can't deal with grandma and grandpa. They're in the grave. But what I can do is once I've received the revelation and I see the scripture and I know what I've got to do. The Bible says save yourselves from this untoward generation. I learned a long time ago I'm not going to stand in judgment for Maxie and Doris or C.E. Uh, and Florence French. I'm not going to stand in judgment for my mom and my dad, Billy and Becky. But I am going to stand in judgment for what I do. And I just solved it a long time ago. I'm thankful for the relationship they had. Some of you sit here, you don't have a strong apostolic heritage. And and there are things that you wish you would have had access to as a young man or a young lady. But now that you have access to it, how how will you... Handle the truth of God's word. Mark 16 and 16. He that believeth. And is baptized. Shall. Be. Saved. He that believeth not. Shall. Be. damned. Believe. Baptize. Repent. Baptism. Holy Ghost. What is the Holy Ghost? Acts 1 and 8. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem. And in all Judea. And in Samaria. And unto the uttermost parts of the earth. 1 Corinthians 6 and 14. And God hath both raised up the Lord. And will also raise us up by his own Power, the new birth experience, is designed to let your old life die. Repentance. And be buried in baptism. And give you a literal new life by the power of the Holy Ghost. Two weeks ago, sitting about where you are, Brother Roy. A young man, the Chinese nation, come in this church. Only been here, that was his second time. Holy Ghost began to move He received the baptism of the Holy Ghost Standing right here Went to the water and was baptized in Jesus name Second time ever in this experience In the back hallway He would say things like this I feel like a new man I feel like a baby I feel so clean My life feels different And today, my wife and I sat in his restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, still talking about the Bible that we presented him on Sunday. And if you watched his response, Sister Ann, when he got his very first Bible, and today he turned 40. In 40 years, never have had the Word of God. And held that Bible throughout the service. And just, just like he was, it was the most precious thing that he has ever received. Oh, the things that he said to us. I, I just feel so different. My life has forever changed since this experience. That's what happens when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You literally have a new life by the power of the Holy Ghost. God awakened that consciousness in us. That we realize how blessed we really are to have received the truth of God's word in the baptism of his spirit the point of the resurrection is not just that Jesus got up from the grave but that I can get up out of deadness of my old life Jesus being put to death was an act of men Jesus' burial was an act of men but the resurrection was an act of God repentance is my action in response to the gospel Baptism is my action in response to the gospel, but the Holy Ghost. uh, There's going to be nobody in this altar take your cheek and cause you to speak in tongues. You're not going to enroll in a class and learn how to speak in tongues. But I can tell you, when the atmosphere that's been in this room and been moving in our church is in action, there will be a demonstration of the Holy Ghost and they will speak with new tongues just like they did in the book of Acts. It's still being poured out. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is God's action in my response to the gospel. The Holy Ghost is God's obedience to his own word. That's what the Holy Ghost is. It's God's. He expects me to obey and repent. Obey it and go to the word. But what kind of God would we serve, Brother Brian, if God didn't obey his own word and fill us with his spirit? Romans 8 and 11. But if if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Jesus rose from the grave in a glorified body. He didn't need the stone rolled away to get out of the tomb. But the stone was rolled away as a sign to us that he had actually literally risen from the dead. It wasn't a fairy tale. It wasn't a figment of someone's imagination. There was no denying when they saw the the stone rolled away. The Holy Ghost is God's spirit. It it compasses us. It's much more than merely speaking in tongues. But speaking in tongues is given us as a supernatural sign to us that we have actually literally received the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's the initial evidence that I've got the Spirit inside of me. It it lets me know. I got the it lets others know that we that's the initial sign. Hallelujah. But we don't stop when we just get the Holy Ghost. Fruits start growing. And it now becomes the sign. Fruit of the Spirit starts being manifest in our life. And it shows, hey, I got the Holy Ghost. I not only speak in tongues, but I got the fruit of the spirit also. Some say you can, you can receive God's spirit without speaking in tongues, but that's not what the Bible says. Every Christian in the Bible spoke in tongues. Here's the first time any Gentile received the gift of the Holy Ghost. We're Gentiles. We've been grafted in. We've been, made, we've been grafted into the, to the tree. Acts 10:44 through 48. And when Peter spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision, which believed, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles was also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues. How did they know they had received the Holy Ghost? They spoke in tongues. How do we know somebody got the Holy Ghost? They speak in tongues. That's why we start shouting. That's why we start rejoicing when somebody gets the Holy Ghost. Because we heard them speak with tongues. Hallelujah. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water? It's amazing what happens. They got the Holy Ghost. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? The Jews have got baptized in Acts chapter 2. Now the Gentiles have got it. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized. Which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. Are we going to deny a Gentile the waters of baptism? No. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed him to tarry. Then pray they him to tarry certain days. The Holy Ghost is absolutely essential to salvation. Repentance is essential. Baptism is essential. Holy Ghost is essential. These are stones of remembrance, church. These are things that we've got to get. It's in me, but it's got to get in my kids. It's got to get into my grandkids. It's got to get into this next generation. Or we'll wake up one day and there are churches right now. I can give you name and city where they are saying now, we're not going to push the Holy Ghost anymore. I'm not making this up. It's blowing my mind. We're not going to push the Holy Ghost anymore. We're just, if they want it, they've got access to it. That ain't going to be the Sanctuary Community Church. We're going to preach the Holy Ghost every time we come in the door and we believe the Holy Ghost is for today. It's not just for the book of Acts. It's not just for, for the Gentiles in Acts 8. It's for today. Hallelujah. We cannot let it die with this generation We can't quit preaching it in this generation. Romans 8 and 9. But ye are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ. He is none of his. So it's saying to me right there. If I don't have the Holy Ghost. I'm not of his. I can't make this up guys. I can't make this up church. If I want to be His, I've got to get the Holy Ghost. If I want my name written in the Lamb's book of life, I've got to get the Holy Ghost. If I want to know where my, where my eternals, if you want to say eternal security, and when I lay my head on my pillow tonight, knowing if the trumpet sounds, if I've got the Holy Ghost, I'm His. I need to know that. I need to know that. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is evidenced by speaking in other tongues. Yeah, it is. 1 Corinthians 12 and 3, wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. The baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues is the original experience of the New Testament church. And that is our pattern. What is a pattern? What's a pattern? Going way back on you. What's a pattern? Something you make something by. Do you cut the pattern to make something by? Brother Strickland, you don't cut the pattern. You cut the fabric to match the pattern. We got a lot of people wanting to cut the pattern. Well, I don't want to repent. I don't want to be baptized. You know, I don't know about this Holy Ghost. But if the Bible says this is a pattern. I put the pattern on me and I cut everything around but I don't mess with the I don't mess with the pattern. Those are stones of remembrance that I've got to hold on to. If I start cutting repentance out and I start cutting baptism out, if I start cutting the holy ghost out, I've messed with the pattern. Ooh. Ooh. Acts 2 and 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They all spoke with tongues. I said they all were filled with Holy Ghost and spoke with tongues. John 1 12 through 13, and I'm coming to a fast close. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become. We receive Him, but now I have to become. I believe, but I must become. I believe, I must become. I must believe on His name. And I must be born again. Of the spirit. Notice there are three parts to our salvation. We must receive the Lord into our lives. Second we must believe in such a way. That it invokes the name of Jesus. Over our lives in baptism. Third we must allow God. To give us the power to change. Then and only then. We are born again. The new birth salvation message. Is one of the foundational. Stones of remembrance. Of the apostolic church. Every denomination agrees that we need to receive the Lord. But most of them totally miss the other two elements. Taking on his name. And allowing him to give us the power. I don't want to miss one. Piece to the puzzle. Of the gospel message. I must believe. I must repent. I must be baptized in Jesus name. I must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the gospel. That is the good news. So I ask you. Have you obeyed the gospel according to Acts 2.38? Do you know tonight? Pastor I have repented of my sins. I have been baptized in Jesus name. I have received the gift of. Or I haven't. I don't know anything about repentance. I am glad you said something. I am glad you acknowledged. Let me tell you how easy it is. It is simply walking to an altar. Or standing in your seat. I always say lift those hands. Because that's a surrender. Somebody put a gun in your back. The first thing you're going to do is do this. I surrender to you Lord. Very few people will ever repent without shedding tears. Very few will ever repent not shed tears. Because godly sorrow. Godly sorrow. Working. You're going to ask God to forgive you of all your sins. The moment you ask God to forgive you of your sins, you're cleared of the matter. I've already read that tonight. You're cleared of the matter. You can stand before God and man knowing I have approved myself before God and I'm cleared of the matter. Repentance will lead you to a watery grave of baptism. You'll step into this watery grave. I turned on this afternoon. I said Lord. There may be somebody tonight. That will say. Pastor. I want to be baptized in Jesus name. What you just did. Those sins that you ask God to forgive you of. That watery grave. It remits those sins. It washes those sins away. And when you come up out of that water. Lift those hands. I watched precious Michael on Sunday. When he come up out of that water his little arms, his little body just shook under the power of the Holy Ghost as he began to speak in a heavenly language right in that water, right there it was evident that God did a miracle in his life but it doesn't have to stop with him it can come into your heart, and it can come into your life it can stand to your feet all over this house I want to challenge this great church. God's stirring up. God is stirring up hungry hearts. I said, God's sending people in this building. God's just going to awaken some of you you're going to, there's a desire going to come upon you to teach home Bible studies. My wife and I are driving to Huntsville every week to teach a home Bible study to a precious couple. Another Bible study with Shin is starting. There are people hungry for the Word of God. Brother Zach and Sister Madison are teaching several young people on Saturdays that have requested Bible studies and more to join. Requesting. I want to learn about the Bible. And I'm asking you as a church, I'm asking you as individuals, especially those that you have a call of God on your life to preach the gospel. That God would stir and God would wake you up and God would connect you with people that you can sit in their living room, sit in their homes, and you can share the greatest message ever to be preached—the death, burial, and resurrection. I felt this this afternoon so strong. We're racing eternity. I said, "We're racing eternity." We may have twenty years. I don't know. We may have forty years. I don't. I feel like it's closer now than it's ever been. I feel like I feel like we're so close to something cataclysmic happening in our world God's trying to get the church ready He's trying to get a bride ready for so He can come and receive us unto Himself if you're hungry tonight if you're hungry maybe you have, you've never been baptized in Jesus name and you want to be baptized tonight I'm ready I've got the water ready we can do this tonight maybe you want a, you want a home Bible study This weekend, and you want to learn more about what I've explained tonight, please let me know or let someone in this church know, and we can make sure that you understand and you can obey the word of God. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I I don't want to close this service without opening.